Hello and welcome to the Energy Talk Podcast. My name is Olubumi Alajide and I want to start off by apologizing for the long break we took. Um, a lot of adjusting to the coronavirus outbreak and the quarantine and uh, a bunch of personal stuff. But thankfully we're back now. I can continue sharing stories that we all love. Today we're going to be learning about uh, lithium extraction and how important it will be for the future of energy storage and just of energy systems in general. So we're going to have a fantastic guest walk us through what the industry is like, what the extraction process is like, and I hope you all learn a lot from this episode. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the conversation. So I'm the CEO and founder of EnergyX, which is a lithium and energy storage company. We focus on different battery chemistries that can increase uh, the lifespan of batteries, as well as the battery materials, the raw materials and natural resources that go into making batteries. Uh, So we're developing technologies that can enhance both of those areas. Okay. Um, So... Before you got into uh, NEGX and became the CEO, what was your early introduction into the energy industry? Because I'm very curious. Because uh, I found something that was quite interesting from your LinkedIn profile. You used to have a record label. So uh, how did the transition go from uh, your early career to right now with the work you're doing? Yeah, I'm just a serial entrepreneur. I look at uh, ways that I can create interesting products or solve problems. And, uh, you know, I try to build companies around that and, you know, a record label was my first business, my first real business. And we had a lot of fun and success doing that, but I decided that that wasn't really, uh, it didn't really have as big of an impact on society as I hoped for. Um, so I decided that the sustainable energy transition was an area that I wanted to focus on. Um, and that's kind of why I decided to switch career paths. Very interesting. So uh, what does NAGX do? So we uh, are focusing on two different products right now. One is um, figuring out a way to produce lithium, which is one of the main materials and batteries, more effectively and more efficiently. Uh, right now, the way that lithium is produced, it, it's not going to be able to meet the demand that the, the world needs. You know, as we are producing a lot more electric cars in the next 5, 10, 20 years, electric cars need big batteries and big batteries need a lot of lithium. So looking at the macro techno economic scene, I said, how can we produce lithium more efficiently? And we're developing technologies that are similar to um, desalination technologies using membranes to produce lithium uh, at high quantities for low cost. Um, So how long have you been uh, working? How long has it been since you started up NAGX and up till now? I started the company two years ago. Uh, and we have been, you know, working hard and trying to bring on partners and, uh, expand the team. Um, we opened up a laboratory in Silicon Valley and we work with the university of Texas down in Austin, uh, in their chemical engineering department. Uh, so we work out of their laboratories as well. And, uh, 
it's exciting times. You know, we um, we have a lot going on and we're looking to build the team and, and uh, bring these products to market in the near future. Um, so before we get too carried away t- talking about NGX, let's let's just take a step back and talk about what the problem that led to the companies being founded is. Uh, so energy storage is something that has been uh, the word has been going around or the term going around a lot. And there's a huge problem, as you said, with energy storage, because uh, as more countries are incentivized to go into um, renewable energy because of climate change or because of societal pressures, there is a need for more uh, effective energy storage. And with electric cars becoming the new norm in many places, uh, so this is a great market. So, uh, what makes lithium batteries different from other batteries and how much of a surge in demand are we looking at in the next few years? So let me answer the first question. What makes lithium batteries better than other types of battery chemistry as well? Lithium is the third element on the periodic table and it's inherently the lightest metal. Um, so because it's so light, uh, that increases its energy density. You can't have, uh, an extremely heavy battery in your car or else it'll make your car weigh a lot more and, uh, it'll take a lot more energy to move that heavy object. So it's lightweight is, um, a very key characteristic of the lithium ion battery. The other one is uh, it has a really high energy density, partly due to its lightweight, um, but it can hold, lithium can hold a lot of energy. So uh, those two things make the lithium ion battery the battery of choice right now. Uh, A lot of companies are experimenting with different battery chemistries like changing the different electrodes, the anode or the cathode, changing the uh, separator, which is the piece that separates those two parts. But all of them uh, have lithium as a common denominator. So whether it's a lithium sulfur battery or a lithium air battery or um, a lithium battery with a silicone anode, uh, lithium is is abundant in all different batteries. So that's what makes lithium batteries better than say lead acid batteries or, you know, the variety of other types of battery batteries that are out there. Lithium batteries, we're going to see a huge increase in demand. Uh, Lithium as an element that goes into batteries, I have more specific numbers on. Uh, Last year, the total amount of lithium that was purchased by battery companies was about 270,000 metric tons. And in 2025, which is only 20, which is only five years from now, the estimates are one to one and a half million metric tons. So we're seeing at least a four to six X increase in the demand for lithium. You know, that's, uh, that's extremely substantial for, a raw material or a natural resource to increase, you know, if something increases 10 or 20% year over year, that's a dramatic increase. But because of this new industry of electric vehicles, the increase of demand for the raw materials that go into the batteries is absolutely skyrocketing. And 
uh, it takes about like if you can picture a double A battery, um, the Model Three, the Tesla Model Three, uses four thousand four hundred and sixteen double A batteries in their battery pack. The Model S and the Model X use seven thousand batteries of that size in their battery pack. Uh, your iPhone uses approximately one. So the demand of batteries is going to, I mean, for the cars, and that's only one company, right? You have all of these other auto manufacturers like Volkswagen and Ford and Toyota and GM that just partnered with LG to build a battery factory. Uh, they're all coming out with, an, with electric cars and they're all transitioning. They're, pretty much entire fleet, you know, you have BMW, Mercedes, Audi, like every single car company is going electric. Uh, so if you can just think about that scale of how many batteries go into cars and how many cars are being introduced, the amount of materials that we're going to need is just tremendous. Okay, so now let's take a giant leap forward and talk about how lithium is actually extracted because I have no idea about this. Is it something that is mined out like coal or diamonds, or is it something that because uh, you made some desalination? So I'm assuming that has something to do with water. So just give a give a big brief background on what the extraction process for lithium is, uh, and just how abundant it is, or if it's a scarce material that we should be looking at in the future. Yeah, that's a good question. That's actually how I came across. Uh, this opportunity because I didn't know how lithium was produced either. Um, and it turns out that lithium is produced in two ways. One is your traditional hard rock mining, the way that you would think about copper uh, being mined in a big open pit where they are uh, digging out rocks or ore and then they leach the lithium out um, using chemical reactions. and that is uh, one way to do it. You know, it's it, there's exploration risk. You don't always know where big lithium deposits are going to be, and you don't know uh, how big uh, a deposit once you find it might go down or out. Um, but that's one way that a lot of people do it, and the and the predominant uh, area for that is in Australia. The other way that has become uh, almost the better way to do it is through brine evaporation. And what that means is there are these huge salt flats or uh, brine reservoirs. And brine is kind of just a fancy word for really salty water. Um, so like, think about the uh, Great Salt Lake in Utah or the Dead Sea in Israel. These are bodies of water that have extremely high salt concentrations. Uh, to think about a salt concentration uh, in water, if you've ever had a mouthful of ocean water and think that's pretty salty, ocean water is about two and a half, three percent uh, salt. These brines that we're talking about are anywhere from 28, 35, 
up to 50% salt by weight. So they're extremely salty. And when you ask yourself what that salt is, well, those salts are basically different combinations of minerals or ions that the water has trapped with it along its path down to the ocean when it rains. So the different uh, salts that make up the salt in, the, in these salt brines are lithium is one, the, the important one. Uh, but there's also magnesium, there's sodium, uh, there's different sulfates, there's calcium, uh, there's potassium, there's chloride. And it's basically like a big soup of all these different uh, minerals. And in lithium production, the goal is, okay, how do we separate the lithium from the rest of these ions in this brine to create our product? So the way that they do that is they pump out the brine from underground, uh, unless it's like in an open lake, but usually it's found in underground water. And then they put it into these huge evaporation ponds that are the size of a hundred football fields. Wow. And they let the sun naturally evaporate the H2O part, the water, and then the salts precipitate out one by one, depending on uh, how big the, how big they are compared to the other ones. So for instance, um, magnesium is bigger than lithium or, uh, you know, sodium is smaller than lithium. Um, so sodium comes out first uh, and all the salt kind of precipitates to the bottom. Then they move all of the brine to the next pond and they have uh, this like, you know, field of, of sodium and they scrape it all out and make a huge salt pile. And then the next pond, uh, potassium comes out and they do the same thing. And then finally, six ponds later, they have lithium uh, in, a, in a highly concentrated format. Um, wow. And they're able to process that into lithium carbonate or lithium hydroxide, which are the two um, compositions that the battery companies need to, to make batteries. Wow. Uh, this is actually the first time I'm ever hearing about the extractive process for lithium. And it's so curious because it, it seems like something that, g given how uh, prevalent it is in our everyday lives, I mean, our phones, our laptops, electric cars, and many other electrical devices. And uh, this is the first time I'm ever hearing how it's actually produced. And that sounds like a very, very exhaustive process. Uh, yes, yeah, so that wow. process that I just described to you uh, takes an average of 18 months to go from pumping it out to the final lithium product. Uh, so that's number one. And I said, how, how can such an important material take so long to produce? I mean, that just kills different lead. Like if you have to figure out how much lithium you need two years from now, the lead time of 18 months is, is detrimental to your forecasts. The other thing that was uh, absolutely shocking to me is that through that whole process, they only recover about 30% of the available lithium. 
And when I heard that, or when I read that, I just knew that there was a better, I just knew there had to be a better way to do this that could be done in a shorter time with higher recovery rates, uh, therefore costing significantly less um, and just being a better solution for the whole industry. Okay, so this is where NADX comes in. And now I want to talk about one of your patented technologies, uh, Lightus. So um, what is this and how does it help in this process of lithium extraction, the entire value chain? So what value does it add to the industry? Yeah, so Lightus is our patented technology and it stands for Lithium Ion Transport and Separation Technology. Just a handy little acronym there for you. And uh, the way that it came about was I, I saw this problem when I was down in South America. And in South America is where all these huge lithium brine pools are. It's uh, an area known as the Lithium Triangle. And it's between northern Chile, northern Argentina, and southern Bolivia. It's uh, If you um, look at South America, the Andes mountain range goes right down the middle, uh, a little bit to the middle, middle left. Um, and to the left of the Andes mountain range, where it flows down into the Pacific Ocean, is this lithium triangle. And uh, I was down there and I saw the problem that I just described to you with the evaporation ponds. And I started thinking about the way that we have developed technology to make fresh drinking water out of ocean water, which is a desalination process that uses reverse osmosis membrane. So you put the seawater through and it separates all of the salts from the water. Um, so I thought about that membrane technology and I said, why can't we develop a technology that separates only some salts out of the water and targets the salts that we need, like lithium? Uh, and right around that time, uh, the first academic papers that were exploring this phenomena uh, were published in some of the top academic journals, Science and Nature, on this subject. And they were coming out from a collaboration between uh, one of the top chemical engineering departments in Australia out of Monash University and the University of Texas at Austin, which has the second best chemical engineering department in the United States. Um, so I saw this and I thought this is the exact technology that we need to commercialize for lithium extraction in South America. And uh, I went and I met with all the inventors of the technology. Um, and mind you, in the university setting, they do it on a very small kind of bench scale, right? So I did due diligence on the technology and the way that it could uh, separate these different ions from a mixture and ended up doing a deal with them to like to exclusively license this technology on a worldwide basis to commercialize it for industry. Um, so we, we had our first patents and then we started developing 
the processes and the methods to scale the technology, uh, putting it into a membrane, putting the membrane into uh, applicable applicable modules, um, and 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 finally, you know, developing a product that we could bring to market. Okay, uh, so just to put something visual to this technology, um, so in the earlier explanation you gave about the extraction of lithium, you said it could take anywhere between uh, up to 18 months. So what is the time difference between the regular process of just uh, evaporating brine to what Lytus does? So Lytus is essentially instantaneous. Uh, we're looking at processing lithium uh, that used to take 18 months down to just a couple days. Uh, it's, it's that transformational. That is amazing. And so far, how have operations been going? Because it's two years and it's been such a huge technological leap from uh, business as, as usual to what the future of lithium extraction is. So how has everything been? Because I'm sure a lot, of, a lot must have changed in the last two years for you for NEGX. Yeah, so let me clarify one thing. Uh, two years ago was when I stepped foot onto the salt flats in Bolivia. Um, that was, that was the, uh, aha moment. The company wasn't even registered or that, that was the idea inception. Uh, wait, so you mean it's been less than two years? Yeah. So that was the idea inception. It was six months later. I went and met with, uh, the, professors from the University of Texas. That was in August of 2018. And then I was able to complete our licensing agreement in May of 2019. And then uh, we executed our technology development partnership with our commercialization partners in uh, September of 2019. And uh, we're hopefully going to execute an agreement with commercial manufacturers here in the next few months. So it's uh, it's been moving fast, and you know we uh, we've built up our team to about twelve employees, and we've opened the labs for testing, and uh, we're looking to lock in some partners for pilot plant testing in the next few months here. And uh, the technology development is going great. It's it's actually ahead of schedule. So I'm pleased with that. Okay. So uh, I know many people get excited about tech startups, but I'm sure not many people know that uh, there's such a fast grade lithium extraction startup that's going on right now. So this is very exciting. This is a, a very good market to be in. There's a huge growth potential in the future. And the process that you guys have introduced obviously makes less of an environmental impact because uh, we won't get too much into detail into it, but just imagining the the ecological impact that I would have taken out brine. And since it's 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 had such high salinity, uh, basically nothing can grow in that area once that process is done. So you just have a bunch of dead lands that probably is not going to be useful anymore and just simplifying this process is quite amazing so uh what has been, what has been the reception generally 
when you go out and introduce the technology to people who are in the business and already in the uh, extraction business, are they welcoming to new technology? Are they trusting of it? Because most times when technology gets introduced and it's revolutionary, there is quite a few people who are a bit skeptical about its effectiveness and just prefer the old way. So have you experienced that? Yeah, so there's there's a few aspects to that question. Um, the first is uh, the environmental impact. Uh, and there are two environmental impact issues that we look at. One is the impact that lithium has on climate change and global warming, right? We, we know we need a lot more lithium and this technology enables much more efficient, faster, less expensive production of lithium. Uh, so the more lithium and the more batteries that we have out there, the less carbon emissions, vehicles and other sources of uh, CO2 emissions will create, right? So more lithium, less carbon emissions, right? So that's, that's the first part. And, you know, we've done all those numbers and it's, it's very significant. Uh, for every single ton of lithium that is put into the marketplace for uh, electric cars, we're looking at a reduction of 134,000 tons of CO2 emissions. And that's still with the energy going into the cars coming from fossil fuel generation like coal or natural gas. If you uh, generate the electricity that goes into electric cars using renewables, that's an extra 56,000 tons of CO2 emissions eliminated, uh, such as like wind or solar. So more, more lithium, every ton of lithium is, is a huge, huge uh, reduction of CO2 into the atmosphere. The second aspect of the environment is how much more environmentally friendly our solution is than the conventional methods like hard rock mining or brine evaporation. Um, we'll talk about brine evaporation because that's the area that we're most focused on. The first advantage to lightest and using membrane technology is that we take up a nano fraction of the footprint that these evaporation ponds create. Um, the, uh, the operation down in Northern Chile run by one of the biggest lithium companies in the world, SQM takes up a 20,000 acre footprint. I mean, that's like the size of lower, that's like 20,000 acres is, uh, is absolutely huge. I mean, we, we take up, you know, one fraction of a square kilometer. I mean, no, like nothing, right? Uh, the second advantage is that these evaporation ponds use, it, it takes a lot of fresh water to create lithium using the evaporation method. Um, and these are areas that are in the high desert that are scarce on fresh water, which affects the, not, the, the, um, 
the communities, the surrounding communities, right? The indigenous people. Uh, so, so they're pretty against the operations that are there right now. It also affects the wildlife. Like there's a flamingo population down there. Um, there's not much other wildlife, but the, the third aspect is they, they use a lot of chemicals and reagents uh, during that process. Um, and we use almost essentially no fresh water and no chemical reagents. The, uh, the big advantage to the evaporation is that they essentially use free solar energy uh, to concentrate the lithium in the evaporation ponds. I mean, they're basically using the sun to evaporate out the water. We would, of course, need to uh, have an energy source, and that could be renewable, um, but that, that's another that's a, an expense that uh, is not occurring in the evaporation ponds. So overall, uh, we feel like our environmental impact is a lot, lot less than the current methods. Okay, so thank you for that. Uh, so now I'm curious. So since the environmental impacts are obviously a huge upside, and you mentioned the, uh, the added cost of electricity, how has the adoption been for the people actually in the industry? Have they been excited about the technology or what has been your reception so far? Yeah, so all of these companies know that they need a new technology to meet the demand that's upcoming. Um, so they're all either looking to develop a technology themselves that's more efficient than what they currently have, or they're looking to startups like EnergyX uh, for that solution. Um, you know, miners are inherently uh, resistant to change. Uh, it, it, it's because they have a lot of capital invested into the infrastructure of the way that they already do it. But, uh, you either change or you fade away, you know, and that's, that's an inherent aspect of life. So it's going to be a process introducing and having lithium production companies adapt to the new technology, but they're all very interested in what they're doing and what we're doing. And, uh, you know, we, we've actually seen a great reception, you know, they've sent us some of their brine for testing. We're looking to enter into a few LOIs and, and memorandums of understanding here in the next few months, uh, to begin pilot plant testing. And, uh, overall the reception has been great. Okay. So um, looking on to the future now, um, so since lithium and energy storage in general is going to play such a huge role in energy systems or the future and just in our everyday life, do you see any potential in us running out of lithium resources? Because obviously it's not something that's renewable, it's something that has to be extracted. So there's also the, the uh, concern of do we have to worry that this is something that could be depleted over time and uh, or is that something that you don't see being a problem in the next, uh, let's say, 30 years or so? Yeah, I think that uh, the, the short answer to that is no. I think that there's an abundance of lithium that's available to us. Somebody actually told me the other day that lithium was the 25th most abundant element uh, on Earth. That is in part due to the fact that very low concentrations of lithium are found in seawater. 
uh, in that, you know, 3% salt in the ocean water, a, a small fraction of that is lithium. So, but that's uneconomical to extract. Uh, it's kind of that same question of, are we ever going to run out of oil or gas, you know, fossil fuels? And to date, the, que- the answer has been no. Um, you know, I, I, I say that as a comparison to uh, a natural resource like lithium. But uh, the, other, the other advantage to lithium is that as opposed to oil and gas where we burn it and it's gone, with lithium after it's been uh, depleted in terms of its life cycle, like after you use a battery in a phone, for instance, for say a few years, and its capacity goes from 100% down to around 70, 75, 80%, it's dubbed as uh, exhausted, right? And then we can actually recycle that lithium to use again in another battery. So recycling of batteries and, and battery materials is going to be a huge industry in the next 20 years. Okay. So speaking of the next 20 years, what is your bold prediction for the future of energy? Uh, so we've already talked about a few things, the uh, electric car industry, um, the need for energy storage for renewables. Um, but a lot is happening and so much is changing. So uh, from your perspective and your overview, just looking at your company for uh, future survival, what's what's your bold prediction for the future of energy? I think that it's going to go faster than a lot of people anticipate. Um, the only reason that it wouldn't is because of special interests of oil and gas companies. I mean, these companies are making tens or hundreds of billions uh, on the production scale of natural gas or oil or fossil fuel related energy generation. Um, but society, as you've probably seen over the past few years, uh, is really mounting uh, a movement against carbon emissions and for sustainable energy. I mean, People kind of uh, laugh at Greta Thunberg and, and because they say, oh, she's young and she doesn't know what she's talking about. But she's kind of established this movement uh, of people caring uh, about it. And, you know, we're all witnesses to the fires in Australia, the fires in the Amazon in Brazil, the fires in California. Uh, the hurricanes in the Caribbean that demolished Puerto Rico and uh, the Bahamas. Um, You know, these aren't by accident. And and it's proven science that the earth is warming at an alarming rate. Um, And I think that as more of these things happen and, and people kind of push towards a sustainable future, it's going to happen quicker than, than a lot of people think it will right now. I mean, a lot of factors have to occur for that to happen. And I think policy change is a really big one. Um, and a lot of announcements were made at Davos at the World Economic Forum uh, just last week with really, really large institutions such as Goldman Sachs uh, 
pledging that they would not invest any more in subsidiaries or subsidies for fossil fuel related companies or make any further investments into those. You know, all the automobile companies are moving towards electric. Uh, it's, it's just about the supply chain to be able to uh, deliver on the demand, right? Every single car company can say that they want to make electric cars, but they can't do that unless all of the other parts that go into the car, such as the battery and the battery materials are available. So uh, the transition is happening before our eyes. Um, and I think that within the next 20 years, we're going to see 100 million electric vehicles on the road. That's my bold prediction. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. Uh, it was great speaking with Teague and I learned quite a lot about this. This was the first time I've ever spoken about um, lithium in general and just to see the impact it's going to have in the future of energy is quite fascinating. So we're going to be having a lot more episodes uploaded more frequently. Next one will be Monday and I look forward to sharing all these with you. So I hope you all stay safe. Uh, stay inside as much as you can and wash your hands do all you need to do we will get through this and i look forward to seeing you all on the next episode have a wonderful day